Welcome to my Higa podcast, Experience Togetherness, an exclusive podcast in geriatric medicine, geriatric care, geriatric health, healthy aging, and life's simple pleasures. Dear inspirers, dreamers, listeners, carers, discover senior living and celebrate aging with my Higa. We celebrate our elderly and the people behind their smiles. Hello and welcome back to My Higa Experience Togetherness Podcast. We are in February, the month of love and coziness. Today, Dr. Purnima, our expert, will help us understand elder abuse and neglect. Welcome back, Dr. Purnima. Oh, hi, Shruti. So nice to have us start yet another episode today. I know it's a month of love, but um, today's episode is um, quite heavy on our hearts, minds and souls. The reason being simple, you know, there is stigma in talking about it and abuse is a rampant silent killer of mental health and complete body health. Hence, bringing this to the forefront is critical now more than ever before. I would like to take a moment to pause here to pray for the departed souls of all the victims and survivors of abuse since the very first breath of life on this planet. So please join me now in paying our respect and help us create a momentum that is unstoppable. Um, Dr. Purnima, could you tell us what is elder abuse and neglect? Yeah, thank you for asking the question, Shruti. Um, as I begin uh, speaking about this, let us simply begin with the definition of abuse in the Oxford Dictionary. I was checking it right before you came along today. So Oxford Dictionary states that abuse is the use of something in a way that is wrong or harmful. Elder abuse or geriatric abuse or abuse of the aged is simply abusing as and about in any way our elderly, aged, or older adults, aka seniors. Now, this age category could be anything. It's a mindset, as we know. So, it could be 55, it could be 65 and above. So, it's up to you. Now, elder abuse is also a term for abuse at any stage of life in an elderly lifespan. Be it an active older adult or a bedbound elderly in the terminal stages of life. Elder abuse further does not delineate the severity of abuse, type of abuse, the size of the abuse, outcomes intended, nor does it speak about the historical perspective of, the, of abuse in cultures, traditions, heritage. While we can think about abuse as being something heinous, obvious, and nasty, you know, the reality is most abuse is done in secrecy behind closed doors and some through passive aggressive ways as well. Most abuse leave no physical scars, but they all leave permanent mental and emotional and holistic scars for life. In elder abuse, most of the time, you know, the perpetrator is a known acquaintance or family member or a close member of the person in the society or work. And 100% of the time they know that the elderly is an unsuspecting older adult who they see as easy prime targets or can easily be manipulated. 
Elder abuse knows no boundaries, and most victims are continuously abused until the abuser no longer can use them in any way to their self-entitlement. Very unfortunate and very hard to hear this and learn about this. Abuse and the abuser are an equation of opportunities, misconceptions of righteousness and biases, and mostly a lack of appreciation or emotional intelligence. So I would suggest it's an issue where the EQ is missing in action. Now this can be related to abuse at any age and by anyone or by anybody, family, work, environment, society, government, citizen, boards, businesses, and so on. The problem in elder abuse is the unsuspecting victim who means good and tries to justify the abuser for years, many times. Elder abuse is a creature of habit, you know, and often the abusive pattern is the same and very less cases the patterns are variable. Elder abuse is a snake of our current world and it slithers and continues to hold on to its next victim until the cycle is abruptly cut off or the abuser is held accountable. Hence, finding the abuser is critical and of utmost importance. Simply protecting the elderly cannot change our lives or the world we live in. You know? Most abusers do it due to their poor mental health and most elderly have most likely never known abuse when they were growing up, either because they thought it was the norm or they were naive and innocent not to have understood anything better. Elder abuse can also be suffered subconsciously as most elderly have grown up with respect and dignity and spirituality and most often will not speak for themselves. Elder abuse is a public health concern and not enough resources are out there to prevent such in most countries of the world. I have seen some of the most unknown ways of elder abuse in nursing homes, senior living and cares, in my office practice, to even at the mall, and definitely a lot as a geriatric physician. Elder abuse is also noted in elders in hospice, palliative care, and end-of-life care, and elders with chronic underlying comorbidities and cognitive challenges. Elder abuse always, always leads to harm and discomfort to the elderly, no matter how Welcome to my Hega podcast, Experience Togetherness, an exclusive podcast in geriatric medicine, geriatric care, geriatric health, healthy aging, and life's simple pleasures. Dear inspirers, dreamers, listeners, carers, discover senior living and celebrate aging with my Hega. We celebrate our elderly and the people behind their smiles. Hello and welcome back to My Hika Experience Togetherness Podcast. We are in February, the month of love and coziness. Today, Dr. Purnima, our expert, 
will help us understand elder abuse and neglect. Welcome back, Dr. Purnima. Oh, hi, Shruti. So nice to have us start yet another episode today. I know it's a month of love, but um, today's episode is um, quite heavy on our hearts, minds and souls. The reason being simple, you know, there is stigma in talking about it and abuse is a rampant silent killer of mental health and complete body health. Hence, bringing this to the forefront is critical now more than ever before. I would like to take a moment to pause here to pray for the departed souls of all the victims and survivors of abuse since the very first breath of life on this planet. So please join me now in paying our respect and help us create a momentum that is unstoppable. Um, Dr. Purnima, could you tell us what is elder abuse and neglect? Yeah, thank you for asking the question, Shruti. Um, as I begin uh, speaking on or what kind like any abuse does. So now to understand elder neglect, let us look at the definitions in the Oxford Dictionary dictionary on neglect once more the fact of not giving enough care or attention to something or somebody the state of not receiving enough care or attention now this neglect term can be used for non-living and living things like neglect of buildings or elder neglect elder neglect also can be initiated by abusers who have known the elderly in most cases and in some outsiders as well. Elder neglect has no boundaries at all. Sometimes elder neglect and abuse coexist, intermingle, and it's very, very, very difficult then to differentiate both of them, you know. I remember of one such case where I went to do a house call about 17 years ago. And upon reaching the home, nobody would open the door for quite some time. And when they did, they were suspicious about my movements. And upon examination of the patient, I found out she had wounds that were not healing and also seemed emaciated, cachectic, and uh, underweight. I was told the son just came in and dropped off the check and then walked away. No one had visited the elderly and no home health and wound care was ordered. And she seemed to be in deep pain. This was a case of most likely elder neglect that ended up in elder abuse. What fascinated me was that no physician had visited her in years and the caregivers were unaware of the gravity of the situation and nor did the family member care. In this scenario, we can see there were multiple things going on. I ended up transferring her to a hospice house and she passed away about three days later. Now, such scenes happen everywhere in the world, every millisecond, and in every possible combination and permutation. Unfortunately, elder neglect and abuse are intertwined and confused with each other and also can coexist throughout or in spurts or one after the other as continued about this. Let us simply begin with the definition of abuse in the Oxford Dictionary. I was checking it right before you came along today. So Oxford Dictionary states that abuse is the use of something in a way that is wrong or harmful. Elder abuse or geriatric abuse or abuse of the aged is simply abusing as an above in any way 
our elderly, aged, or older adults, aka seniors. Now, this age category could be anything. It's a mindset, as we know. So it could be 55, it could be 65 and above. So it's up to you. Now, elder abuse is also a term for abuse at any stage of life in an elderly's lifespan. Be it an active older adult or a bedbound elderly in the terminal stages of life. Elder abuse further does not delineate the severity of abuse, type of abuse, the size of the abuse, outcomes intended, nor does it speak about the historical perspective of, the, of abuse in cultures, traditions, heritage. While we can think about abuse as being something heinous, obvious and nasty, you know, the reality is most abuse is done in secrecy behind closed doors and some through passive aggressive ways as well. Most abuse leave no physical scars, but they all leave permanent mental and emotional and holistic scars for life. In elder abuse, most of the time, you know, the perpetrator is a known acquaintance or family member or a close member of the person in the society or work. And 100% of the time, they know that the elderly is an unsuspecting older adult who they see as easy prime targets or can easily be manipulated. Elder abuse knows no boundaries, and most victims are continuously abused until the abuser no longer can use them in any way to their self-entitlement. Very unfortunate and very hard to hear this and learn about this. Abuse and the abuser and vice versa. Elder neglect has its basis on power and control, like abuse most of the time. Human personalities are no different than animals. We see that in animals as well, where an older animal is unable to hunt and the younger ones do not share their kill with the older animal. Neglect is somewhat also an illusion. For it seems for so many of us, unless and until we have truly encountered one ourselves or have been the receiver. Neglect can start subtly uh, and grow into full-blown abuse. It starts with holding food, changing diapers on time, caring like showering, repositioning as we need in elderly who are bed-bound or contracted and are prone to pressure ulcers. Neglect can also be through starvation, holding off essential items, stimuli, happiness, joys, activities, hobbies. Basically, it means failure to care for an elderly needing the care or by a person who is in charge of caring for the elderly in such a way that the elderly might have done it themselves if they were not dependent on others for the same care. Elder neglect like abuse can be both primary, secondary, passive, active, intermediate, and interchangeable. Withholding food, medications, or even hygiene can be detrimental to the elderly and can even lead to death comorbidities and unnecessary mortalities. Neglect can be a repeat cycle, you know, and I've seen cases where the elderly would recover and the cycle would repeat all over again. Abusers and people who neglect are elderly are no different than abusers of normal younger people. 
The ultimate motivation in some cases may not be intentional harm, but gratification, self-gratification, power, control, exercising one's rights, or perhaps a familial pattern passed down through generations. Now, we are not talking about self-neglect in the elderly. Since that would be a completely different topic, we will address in this podcast a little later. However, this elder neglect and abuse can also be witnessed in cognitively challenged elderly or differentially um, able by an equation of opportunities, misconceptions of righteousness and biases, and mostly a lack of appreciation or emotional intelligence. So I would suggest it's an issue where the EQ is missing in action. Now, this can be related to abuse at any age and by anyone or by anybody, family, work, environment, society, government, citizen, boards, businesses, and so on. The problem in elder abuse is the unsuspecting victim who means good and tries to justify the abuser for years, many times. Elder abuse is a creature of habit, you know, and often the abusive pattern is the same and very less cases the patterns are variable. Elder abuse is a snake of our current world and it slithers and continues to hold on to its next victim until the cycle is abruptly cut off or the abuser is held accountable. Hence, finding the abuser is critical and of utmost importance. Simply protecting the elderly cannot change their lives or the world we live in. Most abusers do it due to their poor mental health and most elderly have most likely never known abuse when they were growing up, either because they thought it was the norm or they were naive and innocent not to have understood anything better. Elder abuse can also be suffered subconsciously as most elderly have grown up with respect and dignity and spirituality and most often will not speak for themselves. Elder abuse is a public health concern and not enough resources are out there to prevent such in most countries of the world. I have seen some of the most unknown ways of elder abuse in nursing homes, senior living and cares, in my office practice, to even at the mall, and definitely a lot as a geriatric physician. Elder abuse is also noted in elders in hospice, palliative care, and end-of-life care, and elders with chronic underlying comorbidities and cognitive challenges. Elder abuse always, always leads to harm and discomfort to the elderly, no matter how people, example, humans with cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, other genetic disorders, as they turn older. I have an example case where an older human, a lady with Down syndrome, was post-operative in the nursing home and was on blood thinners for the surgery to prevent clots. And unfortunately, her levels were not checked by the previous physician and by the nursing home. And when I took over her case, her levels were 10 times higher and she was internally bleeding in the surgical site and was rushed over to the hospital. She did recover and it took longer so in this case. It could be neglect, but also because she was unable to verbalize her concerns. In other cases, Um, Elderly may present with urinary frequency, 
and families just ignore it for old age or urinary incontinence. This is pretty common and a form of neglect due to lack of literacy in elder care or geriatric care. Elder abuse can happen between spouses as well, and the abuser is not always a younger person. And many times it's a caregiver of the elderly. Sometimes the abuser does not speak the same language, and sometimes they are fluent. So labeling people as abusers is harmful, and a thorough investigation must be done. Just a word of caution. Now, abused can also become abusers. And I have seen this in many couples who are elderly. And as one declines, the other elderly then uses his time as power to take revenge over someone that did them wrong in the relationship a long time ago. Hence, abuse is not a simple five-letter word. It's an encyclopedia of my words fail me today. Thank you, Dr. Purnima, for sharing all that information with our listeners. Uh, now, my next question would be, what are different types of elder abuse? Yeah, great question. Um, there are many types of elder abuse. Uh, no number is correct in my opinion, since many are combinations and many are new with the evolution of mankind. The newest being uh, social media abuse, you know, is new and affects elderly as well like targeting elderly based on demographics by scammers for any type of abuse or what kind, like any abuse does. So now, to understand elder neglect, let us look at the definitions in the Oxford Dictionary on neglect once more. The fact of not giving enough care or attention to something or somebody. The state of not receiving enough care or attention. Now, this neglect term can be used for non-living and living things, like neglect of buildings or elder neglect. Elder neglect also can be initiated by abusers who have known the elderly in most cases and in some outsiders as well. Elder neglect has no boundaries at all. Sometimes elder neglect and abuse coexist, intermingle, and it's very, very, very difficult then to differentiate both of them, you know. I remember of one such case where I went to do a house call about 17 years ago. And upon reaching the home, nobody would open the door for quite some time. And when they did, they were suspicious about my movements. And upon examination of the patient, I found out she had wounds that were not healing and also seemed emaciated, cachectic, and uh, underweight. I was told the son just came in and dropped off the check and then walked away. No one had visited the elderly and no home health and wound care was ordered and she seemed to be in deep pain. This was a case of most likely elder neglect that ended up in elder abuse. What fascinated me was that no physician had visited her in years and the caregivers were unaware of the gravity of the situation and nor did the family member care. In this scenario, we can see there were multiple things going on. I ended up transferring her to a hospice house and she passed away about three days later. Now such scenes happen everywhere in the world, every millisecond and in every possible combination and permutation. Unfortunately, elder neglect and abuse are intertwined and confused with each other and also can coexist throughout 
or in spurts or one after the other as continues physical, emotional, financial, sexual, etc. Elder abuse per the National Center on Elder Abuse include physical, sexual, emotional, financial, material exploitation, neglect, abandonment, and self-neglect. Here are others I would include. Holistic means targeting mind, body, soul. So you could be abusing the mind of the elderly, the body of the elderly, or the soul of the elderly. Mental abuse, spiritual abuse, well-being abuse, abuse to live a healthy life, and moral abuse as well. A lot may be new to many of you, but I came to this conclusion after having seen many, many types of abuse in various settings in my career as a geriatric medicine specialist physician. We can also talk about classification in terms of physical, non-physical, and verbal abuse. The lines between all types of abuse, about abuses that I just mentioned, you know, are blurred. And a little this way or that can be considered by an individual as abuse or not. The definition and understanding of abuse, as we recall, is also very subjective due to our upbringing, heritage, and, you know, environment as well amongst others. I think this topic is quite disturbing for many, and some may view this as a stigma to be so openly conversing about this on a podcast show, and some may be offended that we even call it out like it is. Our intention is exactly that of highlighting an issue that is still in the dark in the world in many places. So global listeners, please do us a favor. Share this episode with your friends, families, neighborhood, and help spread this stop of abuse. Remember, it might be your own family member, a neighbor, or your own child who may be a victim of or survivor, whatever you may call, someday, now, in the future, or when they are elderly themselves. Thank you, and we at MyHiga appreciate it. I would love to give examples of many, but will restrict to a few today. Here is one scenario of an elderly woman who was walking on the street naked while her home had been robbed by a caregiver and everything from her home emptied by someone who was providing home care to them and vice versa. Elder neglect has its basis on power and control, like abuse most of the time. Human personalities are no different than animals. We see that in animals as well, where an older animal is unable to hunt and the younger ones do not share their kill with the older animal. Neglect is somewhat also an illusion. For it seems for so many of us, unless and until we have truly encountered one ourselves or have been the receiver. Neglect can start subtly uh, and grow into full-blown abuse. It starts with holding food, changing diapers on time, caring like showering, repositioning as we need in elderly who are bed-bound or contracted and are prone to pressure ulcers. Neglect can also be through starvation, holding off essential items, stimuli, happiness, joys, activities, hobbies. Basically, it means failure to care for an elderly needing the care or by a person who is in charge of caring for the elderly in such a way that the elderly might have done it themselves if they were not dependent on others for the same care. Elder neglect like abuse can be both primary, secondary, passive, active, intermediate, and interchangeable. 
withholding food, medications, or even hygiene can be detrimental to the elderly and can even lead to death, comorbidities, and unnecessary mortality. Neglect can be a repeat cycle, you know, and I've seen cases where the elderly would recover and the cycle would repeat all over again. Abusers and people who neglect our elderly are no different than abusers of normal younger people. The ultimate motivation in some cases may not be intentional harm, but gratification, self-gratification, power, control, exercising one's rights, or perhaps a familial pattern passed down through generations. Now, we are not talking about self-neglect in the elderly. Since that would be a completely different topic, we will address in this podcast a little later. However, this elder neglect and abuse can also be witnessed in cognitively challenged elderly or differentially um, abled people. Example, humans with cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, other genetic disorders as they turn older. I have an example case where an older human, a lady with Down syndrome, was post-operative in the nursing home and was on blood thinners for the surgery to prevent clots. And unfortunately, her levels were not checked by the previous physician and by the nursing home. And when I took over her case, her levels were 10 times higher and she was internally bleeding in the surgical site and was rushed over to the hospital. She did recover and it took longer so in this case. It could be neglect, but also because she was unable to verbalize her concerns. In other cases, um, elderly may present with urinary frequency and families just ignore it for old age or urinary incontinence. This is pretty common and a form of neglect due to lack of literacy in elder care or geriatric care. Elder abuse can happen between spouses as well, and the abuser is not always a younger person. And many times it's a caregiver of the elderly. Sometimes the abuser does not speak the same language, and sometimes they are fluent. So labeling people as abusers is harmful, and a thorough investigation must be done. Just a word of caution. Now, abused can also become abusers. And I have seen this in many couples who are elderly. And as one declines, the other elderly then uses his time as power to take revenge over someone that did them wrong in the relationship a long time ago. Hence, abuse is not a simple five-letter word. It's an encyclopedia of my words fail me today. Thank you, Dr. Purnima, for sharing all that information with our listeners. Uh, now, my next question would be, what are different types of elder abuse? Yeah, great question. Um, there are many types of elder abuse. Uh, no number is correct in my opinion, since many are combinations and many are new with the evolution of mankind. The newest being uh, social media abuse, you know, is new and affects elderly as well like targeting elderly based on demographics by scammers for any type of a, who should have been her loving caregiver. And it's a real case. And what do you think happened in this case? To all our viewers, it's a classic case of multifactorial abuse. Language barriers, cultural barriers, selfishness, jealousy, poverty, power, control, or being impoverished, having bills to pay on, and so on. In another case, an elderly woman with blindness 
being told her life is not worth living by her uh, children and being placed on hospice care and being medicated with medications until she passes away or elderly being confined to homes and not taken to get professional health care as needed. Elder abuse can also be seen in hospitals. The settings need not be just in home or in senior living and care settings. Not turning the older patient and causing bed sores or believing that over the age of 75 is futile care. Such mindsets and beliefs amongst healthcare professionals in the 21st century society needs to be eradicated down from the roots. It's not always about the money. We are talking about lives here, and it could be your own family. It could be your own grandma and grandpa. Unless done so, elder abuse as abusers are not changing and will find new ways to continue to do the damage to our elderly. Elder abuse and neglect can be over a period of time, and hence I also think of it as acute chronic and acute on chronic abuse. I sometimes also think of it like, you know, a disease, a condition. Types of abuse can also be never told, never recognized, never heard of, never seen, and never felt versions. Abuse in elders can also be educational, like preventing elderly from working or hiring younger workers and fresh graduates to replace, or even malicious intent by peers in a healthcare setting. Abuse in elders can also start less than 65 and continue as they age. Elder abuse is also seen by governmental agencies and departments denying elder working professionals their licenses or qualifications and so on. Elder abuse can also be seen in the form of voter fraud, voting on behalf of the elderly. I could go on and on, so in a gist, elder abuse is unfortunately seen in every sector anytime, anywhere, and of any kind. Similar is the case for elder neglect. Uh, so that takes me to the next question. Um, let's talk about healthcare fraud and abuse. What would you like to say about it? Yeah, very interesting uh, topic, Shruti. Thank you for bringing this up, actually. But it's also very, very concerning. Healthcare fraud can be many types, over-medicating, over-treating, over-billing, over-doing what's necessary by the healthcare system or professional in any way. They may include drug fraud as well, insurance fraud, medical fraud, treatment fraud. It may also include defrauding the government or even the government defrauding the elderly themselves. So healthcare abuse is not restricted to hospitals or healthcare systems, when in fact it's related to the entire supply chain. So it's the supply chain problem. Fraudulent treatments constitute fraud even when no harm is intended. Healthcare fraud also occurs amongst healthcare professionals where exchange of patient care happens, when many times consultations are unnecessary and many cooks end up spoiling the broth to the point of disrespecting the elderly completely. Healthcare fraud also includes overbilling by healthcare systems, ordering excessive tests, and giving a green signal for expensive, unwarranted surgeries in an elderly. A case I can still remember is of the elderly patient I was taking care of. She was receiving hospice care and was at the end of her life. This uh, happened almost 16 years ago. She had a massive heart attack and the family decided to send her to the hospital and she underwent 
cardiac bypass. An elderly who could not talk, walk, eat, nor was she conscious, and nor did she recognize herself, was now under anesthesia, under the knife of a surgeon, and undergoing a major surgery. She soon returned back to the nursing home with sutures and whatnot, and only lived for a day more, and soon passed away before we could even reinstate her hospice care. Who is to use physical, emotional, financial, sexual, etc.? Elder abuse per the National Center on Elder Abuse include physical, sexual, emotional, financial, material exploitation, neglect, abandonment, and self-neglect. Here are others I would include. Holistic means targeting mind, body, soul. So you could be abusing the mind of the elderly, the body of the elderly, or the soul of the elderly. Mental abuse, spiritual abuse, well-being abuse, abuse to live a healthy life, and moral abuse as well. A lot may be new to many of you, but I came to this conclusion after having seen many, many types of abuse in various settings in my career as a geriatric medicine specialist physician. We can also talk about classification in terms of physical, non-physical, and verbal abuse. The lines between all types of abuse, about abuses that I just mentioned, you know, are blurred. And a little this way or that can be considered by an individual as abuse or not. The definition and understanding of abuse, as we recall, is also very subjective due to our upbringing, heritage, and, you know, environment as well amongst others. I think this topic is quite disturbing for many, and some may view this as a stigma to be so openly conversing about this on a podcast show, and some may be offended that we even call it out like it is. Our intention is exactly that of highlighting an issue that is still in the dark in the world in many places. So global listeners, please do us a favor. Share this episode with your friends, families, neighborhood, and help spread this stop of abuse. Remember, it might be your own family member, a neighbor, or your own child who may be a victim of or survivor, whatever you may call, someday, now, in the future, or when they are elderly themselves. Thank you, and we at MyHiga appreciate it. I would love to give examples of many, but will restrict to a few today. Here is one scenario of an elderly woman who was walking on the street naked while her home had been robbed by a caregiver and everything from her home emptied by someone who was providing home care. Blame here. The system, the family, the ethics committee, or perhaps the patient or the hospice agency, or even the nursing home or skilled nursing facility, or the healthcare professionals, or the senior living in care. Unfortunately, loopholes exist in our systems, and people take advantage of those. Geriatric healthcare or medicine is complicated, and only a geriatrician can best explain or provide care for elderly. While we have deficient geriatricians in the world, the majority of primary physicians, unfortunately and honestly speaking, lack the skill or knowledge, and hence abusive cycles begin. Double dosing, not checking on medications, lack of continuity of care, uh, bounced around by and, uh, and the patient being seen by different physicians at different visits, and uh, different people being involved in the care of the elderly, and so on. 
Fraud also constitutes or includes monetary abuse through any means. Healthcare abuse, as I stated above, can be repeated at different times in an elderly's life and also through various means. Healthcare fraud and abuse are subjective and objective. Prevention of choices in the elderly care healthcare is another form of abuse. And kickbacks are also another form of abuse. A lot is happening in the world today and in every country. And while something is the birthright to abuse, the psychology behind this is toxic control and toxic power. And healthcare abuse is also preventing good physicians from practicing medicine and keeping the ones with lawsuits and making them practice. This is preventing society from receiving the goodness it should be all receiving because of bias, power, position, and control. Medical boards and governing bodies need to wean away from this and move to respecting the reality and not go by secondary thoughts. Preventing families of elderly or elderly themselves from accessing choices and voicing their opinions is considered abuse. All the above scenarios constitute the human rights violations as well. I would suggest everyone today, whoever is listening to our podcast globally, please go and learn and understand the UNESCO's preamble. UNESCO is U-N-E-S-C-O. Dr. Purnima, how can all of this be avoided at Myhika? Thanks for asking this question, Shruti. Um, you know, when I was uh, working on this company and started founding, um, writing some basic principles, um, all the all this about was going through my mind as well. So thank you for bringing this up. So at Myhika, we bring choices to consumers and voices to our providers. We believe in equality and equity through accountability, clarity, and transparency. We do not take commissions and kickbacks from providers and empower them to wholly run their business through software technology. Geriatric healthcare is not simple, and our mission vision is to bring that value to everyone, providers, and consumers. We believe in fairness and making sure everyone has access to great trusted geriatric care and also educational empowerment through our blogs, newsletters, and podcasts like this. We have placed emphasis from the very beginning through our values, beliefs, and work ethics on the importance of all that we believe and say and turn it into action. There is no greater pleasure than appreciating and building an ethical product for both our providers and consumers alike. Dr. Purnima, could you please tell our audience what is elderly self-neglect? Yes, um, Shruti, great question again. Elderly self-neglect is very different from elderly neglect and elderly abuse. Elderly self-neglect is a vague term, but yet it is used to describe a vulnerable adult, uh, I mean older adult, living in a way that puts his or her health, safety or well-being at risk. Such behaviors are not uncommon and can be very harmful for the elderly their partners, neighbors, and themselves. It can be very subtle without any signs or can be seen clearly. I will give you an example. About seven years ago, I believe it's 2014, I was asked to see an elderly at home and the elderly's niece came to her office uh, since she had been recommended to see uh, us um, since I'm a geriatric specialist. Um, who 
who should have been her loving caregiver. And it's a real case. And what do you think happened in this case? To all our viewers, it's a classic case of multifactorial abuse. Language barriers, cultural barriers, selfishness, jealousy, poverty, power, control, or being impoverished, having bills to pay on, and so on. In another case, an elderly woman with blindness being told her life is not worth living by her uh, children and being placed on hospice care and being medicated with medications until she passes away, or elderly being confined to homes and not taken to get professional health care as needed. Elder abuse can also be seen in hospitals. The settings need not be just in home or in senior living and care settings. Not turning the older patient and causing bed sores, or believing that over the age of 75 is futile care, such mindsets and beliefs amongst healthcare professionals in the 21st century society needs to be eradicated down from the roots. It's not always about the money. We are talking about lives here, and it could be your own family, it could be your own grandma and grandpa. Unless done so, elder abuse as abusers are not changing and will find new ways to continue to do the damage to our elderly. Elder abuse and neglect can be over a period of time and hence I also think of it as acute chronic and acute on chronic abuse. I sometimes also think of it like, you know, a disease, a condition. Types of abuse can also be never told, never recognized, never heard of, never seen, and never felt versions. Abuse in elders can also be educational, like preventing elderly from working or hiring younger workers and fresh graduates to replace, or even malicious intent by peers in a healthcare setting. Abuse in elders can also start less than 65 and continue as they age. Elder abuse is also seen by governmental agencies and departments denying elder working professionals their licenses or qualifications and so on. Elder abuse can also be seen in the form of voter fraud, voting on behalf of the elderly. I could go on and on, so in a gist, elder abuse is unfortunately seen in every sector, anytime, anywhere, and of any kind. Similar is the case for elder neglect. Uh, so that takes me to the next question. Um, let's talk about healthcare fraud and abuse. What would you like to say about it? Yeah, very interesting uh, topic, Shruti. Thank you for uh, bringing this up, actually. But it's also very, very concerning. Healthcare fraud can be many types. Over-medicating, over-treating, over-billing, over-doing what's necessary by the healthcare system or professional in any way. They may include drug fraud as well, insurance fraud, medical fraud, treatment fraud. It may also include defrauding the government or even the government defrauding the elderly themselves. So healthcare abuse is not restricted to hospitals or healthcare systems, when in fact it's related to the entire supply chain. So it's the supply chain problem. Fraudulent treatments constitute fraud even when no harm is intended. Healthcare fraud also occurs amongst healthcare professionals where exchange of patient care happens when many times consultations are unnecessary and many cooks end up spoiling the broth to the point of disrespecting the elderly completely. 
Healthcare fraud also includes overbilling by healthcare systems, ordering excessive tests, and giving a green signal for expensive, unwarranted surgeries in an elderly. A case I can still remember is of the elderly patient I was taking care of. She was receiving hospice care and was at the end of her life. This uh, happened almost 16 years ago. She had a massive heart attack and the family decided to send her to the hospital and she underwent cardiac bypass. An elderly who could not talk, walk, eat, nor was she conscious and nor did she recognize herself, was now under anesthesia, under the knife of a surgeon and undergoing a major surgery. She soon returned back to the nursing home with sutures and whatnot and only lived for a day more and soon passed away before we could even reinstate her hospice care. Who is to blame here? The system, the family, the ethics committee, or perhaps the patient or the hospice agency, or even the nursing home or skilled nursing facility, or the healthcare professionals, or the senior living in care. Unfortunately, loopholes exist in our systems and people take advantage of those. Geriatric healthcare or medicine is complicated and only a geriatrician can best explain or provide care for elderly. While we have deficient geriatricians in the world, the majority of primary physicians, unfortunately and honestly speaking, lack the skill or knowledge and hence abusive cycles begin. Double dosing, not checking on medications, lack of continuity of care, uh, bounced around by and, uh, and the patient being seen by different physicians at different visits and uh, different people being involved in the care of the elderly and so on. Fraud also constitutes or includes monetary abuse through any means. Healthcare abuse, as I stated above, can be repeated at different times in an elderly's life and also through various means. Healthcare fraud and abuse are subjective and objective. Prevention of choices in the elderly care, healthcare is another form of abuse. And kickbacks are also another form of abuse. A lot is happening in the world today and in every country, and while something is the birthright to abuse, the psychology behind this is toxic control and toxic power. And healthcare abuse is also preventing good physicians from practicing medicine and keeping the ones with lawsuits and making them practice. This is preventing society from receiving the goodness it should be all receiving because of bias, power, position, and control. Medical boards and governing bodies need to wean away from this and move to respecting the reality and not go by secondary thoughts. Preventing families of elderly or elderly themselves from accessing choices and voicing their opinions is considered abuse. All the above scenarios constitute the human rights violations as well. I would suggest everyone today, whoever is listening to our podcast globally, please go and learn and understand. This elderly woman was an extremely complicated case who refused to allow anyone inside her apartment. Her home was cluttered. She was disheveled, completely confused, underweight. The home was filthy. There was stuff everywhere and anywhere. And she would not allow anyone inside except for the occasional family member. This means would bring her food, medications, 
so she could be you know nourished and her health care taken care of. Myself and the family member, POA, POA means the power of attorney, went in to see the patient, talk to her, take her vitals. It took us 45 minutes to literally gain her trust. She ended up calling me as Sonia. So I'll always remember her as my patient who named me as Sonia. So um, she was on antihypertensive medications, which means medications to control her blood pressure and perform a comprehensive geriatric examination, administer her TB test, give her a flu shot, and also fill out some forms as she was being moved to a senior living and care. As I entered, I saw, as I mentioned above and previously, also that there was cat poop everywhere as well with a skinny little cat meowing around the corner. Nor was the cat litter box cleaned, probably weeks. And this was not only a case of self-neglect that had gone too far along, but also neglect of an animal and a very unhealthy environment. She was a very sweet soul that finally let me in. And we had to make up stories, of course, you know, in convincing her to finally move her, help her move into the senior living and care. So we formed a trusted relationship. And as she went into senior living and care, I could only imagine if there weren't any intervention at the right time. She actually eventually passed away from a massive uh, cerebral stroke due to her hypertension and most likely due to non-compliance, you know, probably refused taking her medications as her dementia progressed. Another case would be a patient of mine who was excessively drinking alcohol and refused to care for himself. He was only 68 years old. And this gentleman refused to care for himself despite all kinds of treatments, talks, consultations, and so on. To the point he developed cirrhosis of the liver and finally passed away with hepatic failure or liver failure. I had known him for almost uh, 10 years in my career. He had been distraught since his divorce from his wife and nothing could stop him from stopping his self-neglect. At the end of his life, as he lay in his nursing home bed, I went in to see him. He recognized me and smiled one last time as I departed that night. The fact was he was very cognizant till the very end. And self-neglect is not always seen in cognitively challenged or impaired people, but also in otherwise healthy individuals as well. Another case was of a woman in her 90s who one day finally confided in me, stating she had been battling anorexia for more than 50 years, trying to stay in shape and be able to wear stiletto heels, you know, have an hourglass figure, um, and so on. A society that wants to see everyone skinny, size zero, can also lead to permanent imbalance for many people. And I consider this also a case of not only elder abuse or elder self-neglect, but also a public health issue. Sometimes personality differences, stubbornness, power can play a part, as I've seen as a geriatric physician. And most of these have some underlying trauma or abuse associated with it. Similar to the self-mutilation, you know, like pulling hair or digging into nails or biting your nails or something, 
Self-neglect is a mental health and public health issue and needs to be addressed as much as the others. Elderly self-neglect can also be physical, non-physical, like nutrition, exercise, mental, emotional, financial, and also in many other ways. Here's some work for you, all listeners. You may have listened to my real, authentic experiences till now. And I know that you are confused than the UNESCO's preamble. UNESCO is U-N-E-S-C-O. Dr. Purnima, how can all of this be avoided at Myhika? Thanks for asking this question, uh, Shruti. Um, you know, when I was uh, working on this company and started founding, um, writing some basic principles, um, all, the, all this about was going through my mind as well. So thank you for bringing this up. So at Myhika, we bring choices to consumers and voices to our providers. We believe in equality and equity through accountability, clarity, and transparency. We do not take commissions and kickbacks from providers and empower them to wholly run their business through software technology. Geriatric healthcare is not simple, and our mission vision is to bring that value to everyone, providers, and consumers. We believe in fairness and making sure everyone has access to great trusted geriatric care and also educational empowerment through our blogs, newsletters, and podcasts like this. We have placed emphasis from the very beginning through our values, beliefs, and work ethics on the importance of all that we believe and say and turn it into action. There is no greater pleasure than appreciating and building an ethical product for both our providers and consumers alike. Dr. Purnima, could you please tell our audience what is elderly self-neglect? Yes, um, Shruti, great question again. Elderly self-neglect is very different from elderly neglect and elderly abuse. Elderly self-neglect is a vague term, but yet it is used to describe a vulnerable adult, uh, I mean older adult, living in a way that puts his or her health, safety or well-being at risk. Such behaviors are not uncommon and can be very harmful for the elderly their partners, neighbors, and themselves. It can be very subtle without any signs or can be seen clearly. I will give you an example. About seven years ago, I believe it's 2014, I was asked to see an elderly at home and the elderly's niece came to her office uh, since she had been recommended to see uh, us um, since I'm a geriatric specialist. Um, maybe angry, puzzled, surprised, sad, upset, or simply in tears. And thought, what were the real indicators or signs of self-neglect? Take a piece of paper or just your smartphone and try listening again and writing down the signs that were missed. Next time you see someone like this, please take care of them by helping them get the necessary attention and care so we can collectively benefit our world, our lives in every way. Thank you, Dr. Purnima, for sharing all those examples from your authentic experiences uh, with our listeners. Uh, could you tell us what are some warning signs of elder abuse? Yes, Ruthie, great questions. Um, uh, today, warning signs of elder abuse can be any. It could be visible and non-visible. 
Here are a few to mention. Injuries, bruises, cuts, broken bones, bumps, weight loss, underweight, overweight, emaciation, physically weak due to poor muscles or musculature, poor hygiene, anxiety, suspiciousness. Shruti, I'm starting again because he was uh, making uh, scratching noises on the paper, okay? All right. Okay, okay. Here are a few to mention. Injuries like bruises, cuts, broken bones, bumps, weight loss or underweight or overweight or emaciation, or even physically weak, you know, due to poor muscles, musculature, poor hygiene, infections, anxiety, depression, suspiciousness, confusion, loss of money, unexplained transactions, and so on. Withdrawal from family members or friends, bills pending, unexplained loss of material wealth, even sexually transmitted diseases in the elderly. I recall an elderly in her 80s who was repeatedly testing positive for STDs. In her case, it was trichomonas, or trichomonas vaginalis, or trichomoniasis. And she kept coming to see me for vaginal itching and discomfort. And this happened close to about 21 years ago in my career. Upon further history and having some health professionals and agencies check her out, it was found that she was being sexually abused by her caregiver. This is a real incident and a real scenario. And I've never forgotten about it as it was a red flag from the very beginning. Warning signs can constitute signs that were previously missed, currently noted, or may occur in the future. These can vary depending on the case and in the context of Dr. Purnima, what are some risk factors for elder abuse? Yes, good question. Sometimes there are no risk factors at all. It can happen suddenly, start accidentally, and continue on for a very long time to someone without any risk factors. They include current diagnosis of mental illness, like dementia as a risk factor, the person being psychotic or having a mental illness makes them more vulnerable, current or past abuse of drugs or alcohol, current physical health problems like chronic medical conditions. Now, we are talking about the abuser and the abused in this case, you know, either of them. Um, chronic conditions like diabetes to cancer, emotional uh, liability and uh, disruptive behavior in the past due to underlying medical or non-medical causes, past trauma, childhood trauma, high levels of stress, job, family, work, etc. Poor caregiver screening and training can also be a reason. Elder abuse, as we recall, can be due to a known or unknown person, and hence the risk factors do vary a lot. It depends if it's a known family member, friend, uncle, aunt, visitor, or it could be somebody you know you just became friends with or came to take care of the elderly or, you know, uh, met them somewhere and so on. Most elder abuse also happens within the four walls of the home. And hence, risk factors may also include the inability of the elderly to seek rightful help at the right time, not being tech savvy, not able to use a telephone, afraid of reporting the abuse. Uh, yes, um, and in some countries, even reporting the abuse is not useful because the authorities do not take any action. Uh, they are complacent. The police is complacent. So 
this elderly woman was an extremely complicated case who refused to allow anyone inside her apartment. Her home was cluttered. She was disheveled, completely confused, underweight. The home was filthy. There was stuff everywhere and anywhere. And she would not allow anyone inside except for the occasional family member. This means who would bring her food, medications, so she could be you know, nourished and her health care taken care of. Myself and the family member, POA, POA means the power of attorney, went in to see the patient, talk to her, take her vitals. It took us 45 minutes to literally gain her trust. She ended up calling me as Sonia. So I'll always remember her as my patient who named me as Sonia. So um, she was on antihypertensive medications, which means medications to control her blood pressure and perform a comprehensive geriatric examination, administer her TB test, give her a flu shot, and also fill out some forms as she was being moved to a senior living and care. As I entered, I saw, as I mentioned above and previously, also that there was cat poop everywhere as well with a skinny little cat meowing around the corner. Nor was the cat litter box cleaned, probably weeks. And this was not only a case of self-neglect that had gone too far along, but also neglect of an animal and a very unhealthy environment. She was a very sweet soul that finally let me in. And we had to make up stories, of course, you know, in convincing her to finally move her, help her move into the senior living and care. So we formed a trusted relationship. And as she went into senior living and care, I could only imagine if there weren't any intervention at the right time. She actually eventually passed away from a massive uh, cerebral stroke due to her hypertension and most likely due to her non-compliance, you know, probably refused taking her medications as a, and so on. Uh, and yes, through hard to, uh, though it's very hard to understand, abuse is also related to the fact that it's such a vicious cycle that it takes enormous courage to walk off the abuser and report the abuser. In elderly with compromised health, like physical health or mental health or even financial health, they may be unable to like their younger counterparts. Hence, vigilance at every physician visit is critical. Asking the questions to the right person is important, but sometimes the abuse can also be the well-wisher themselves. I have a case where the fiduciary or court-appointed power of attorney was abusing the elderly a rich single realtor in her 80s with dementia and swindled her off of her monies until someone's suspicions led to the diagnosis and punishment of the swindler. And in this case, through a government. In another case, a phone scammer scammed an elderly patient who came as a new patient to my office about 13 years ago after having lost more than $50,000 and glad the family managed to save what was left she was mildly cognitively impaired at the time I saw her and diagnosed her. So age is also not an issue here. Since everyone is different at different ages and everyone is going through their own time cycle, 
and everyone may have different diseases or conditions and so on. So there are no boundaries for this. How can elder abuse and neglect be prevented? Elder abuse and neglect, you know, um, can be prevented in only one way, I believe. And I might be, you know, a lot of people may disagree with me, but uh, the reality is it is only one way. Uh, it's lack of education or or preventing lack of education, I might say. Uh, truly empowering people, good intentions of never harming an elder in any way, or recognizing it in time. Good geriatric healthcare, diagnosis of dementia or depression, etc. at the right time. Keeping tabs on their finances, keeping elders engaged in the communities, making sure the uh, elderly are getting the right level of care. Dementia progressed. Another case would be a patient of mine who was excessively drinking alcohol and refused to care for himself. He was only 68 years old. And this gentleman refused to care for himself despite all kinds of treatments, talks, consultations, and so on. To the point he developed cirrhosis of the liver and finally passed away with hepatic failure or liver failure. I had known him for almost uh, 10 years in my career. He had been distraught since his divorce from his wife and nothing could stop him from stopping his self-neglect. At the end of his life, as he lay in his nursing home bed, I went in to see him. He recognized me and smiled one last time as I departed that night. The fact was he was very cognizant till the very end. And self-neglect is not always seen in cognitively challenged or impaired people, but also in otherwise healthy individuals as well. Another case was of a woman in her 90s who one day finally confided in me, stating she had been battling anorexia for more than 50 years, trying to stay in shape and be able to wear stiletto heels, you know, have an hourglass figure, um, and so on. A society that wants to see everyone skinny, size zero, can also lead to permanent imbalance for many people. And I consider this also a case of not only elder abuse or elder self-neglect, but also a public health issue. Sometimes personality differences, stubbornness, power can play a part, as I've seen as a geriatric physician. And most of these have some underlying trauma or abuse associated with it. Similar to the self-mutilation, you know, like pulling hair or digging into nails or biting your nails or something, self-neglect is a mental health and public health issue and needs to be addressed as much as the others. Elderly self-neglect can also be physical, non-physical, like nutrition, exercise, mental, emotional, financial, and also in many other ways. Here's some work for you, all listeners. You may have listened to my real authentic experiences till now. And I know that you are confused, you know, supporting primary caregivers, education of caregivers through periodic assessments, credits, and further training is crucial. Vetting of people who work in the, you know, with the elderly is very important as well. And finding support through resources in the community, taking the courage and the strength to report abuse and mail scams to authorities 
and also those authorities taking it seriously and uh, working on it to solve the problems. You know, prevention of scammers through proper means is always going to be worthwhile. As for elder self-neglect and elder neglect, we must also include the above, what I just mentioned. And I would also suggest involving family members in the care as early as possible or needed. And remember always, the right family member, the real well-wisher. While everyone might have a different opinion, the most important person here is our agent who we need to protect. Thank you so much for discussing this and sharing love and light on this topic. And to all our dear listeners, if you want us to discuss any of the topics or answer your questions, please get in touch with us on one of our social media platforms and we would certainly create an episode to address those. If you want to join us and need help with onboarding, uh, I'm talking to senior living and care providers. Please get in touch with us at contact at myhiga.com. C-O-N-T-A-C-T at M-I-H-Y-G-G-E dot com. We are coming to a town near you. Our team will certainly help you out with the process. Don't forget to discover Trusted Senior Living and Care through our platform. And there are wonderful homes right now waiting to care for your, for your beloved elderly. Empower yourself and everyone you know through the power of technology with Mahiga. Thank you so much for sticking till the very end of this episode. We are looking forward to hearing from you in the form of questions, reviews, comments, and a lot more. Here's wishing all our listeners health, wealth, and Mahiga. We look forward to connecting once again. We will be back with our new episodes next month. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. We are grateful you joined us in our pursuit to celebrate aging globally with MyHiga. You can explore our blogs. They are free to read and easily available on our website www.myhiga.com. Sign up for our special Discover Senior Living with MyHiga newsletter for exclusive content which also includes some amazing recipes, tips and facts. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Amazon Music. As what you hear on the podcast is all exclusive content where we pour all our love and emotions. Thanking our wonderful production team, the people that make it happen. We love hearing your comments, your thoughts, so keep them coming. Goodbye from our studios in New Delhi. Maybe angry, puzzled, surprised, sad, upset, or simply in tears. And thought, what were the real indicators or signs of self-neglect? Take a piece of paper or just your smartphone and try listening again and writing down the signs that were missed. Next time you see someone like this, 
please take care of them by helping them get the necessary attention and care. So we can collectively benefit our world, our lives in every way. Thank you, Dr. Purnima, for sharing all those examples from your authentic experiences uh, with our listeners. Uh, could you tell us what are some warning signs of elder abuse? Yes, Ruthie, great questions. Um, uh, today, warning signs of elder abuse can be any. It could be visible and non-visible. Here are a few to mention. Injuries, bruises, cuts, broken bones, bumps, weight loss, underweight, overweight, emaciation, physically weak due to poor muscles or musculature, poor hygiene, anxiety, suspiciousness. Shruti, I'm starting again because he was uh, making uh, scratching noises on the paper, okay? All right. Okay, okay. Here are a few to mention. Injuries like bruises, cuts, broken bones, bumps, weight loss or underweight or overweight or emaciation, or even physically weak, you know, due to poor muscles, musculature, poor hygiene, infections, anxiety, depression, suspiciousness, confusion, loss of money, unexplained transactions, and so on. Withdrawal from family members or friends, bills pending, unexplained loss of material wealth, even sexually transmitted diseases in the elderly. I recall an elderly in her 80s who was repeatedly testing positive for STDs. In her case, it was trichomonas, or trichomonas vaginalis, or trichomoniasis. And she kept coming to see me for vaginal itching and discomfort. And this happened close to about 21 years ago in my career. Upon further history and having some health professionals and agencies check her out, it was found that she was being sexually abused by her caregiver. This is a real incident and a real scenario. And I've never forgotten about it as it was a red flag from the very beginning. Warning signs can constitute signs that were previously missed, currently noted, or may occur in the future. These can vary depending on the case and in the context of Dr. Purnima, what are some risk factors for elder abuse? Yes, good question. Sometimes there are no risk factors at all. It can happen suddenly, start accidentally, and continue on for a very long time to someone without any risk factors. They include current diagnosis of mental illness, like dementia as a risk factor, the person being psychotic or having a mental illness makes them more vulnerable, current or past abuse of drugs or alcohol, current physical health problems like chronic medical conditions. Now, we are talking about the abuser and the abused in this case, you know, either of them. Um, chronic conditions like diabetes to cancer, emotional uh, liability and uh, disruptive behavior in the past due to underlying medical or non-medical causes, past trauma, childhood trauma, high levels of stress, job, family, work, etc. Poor caregiver screening and training can also be a reason. Elder abuse, as we recall, can be due to a known or unknown person, and hence the risk factors do vary a lot. It depends if it's a known family member, friend, uncle, aunt, visitor, or it could be somebody you know you just became friends with or came to take care of the elderly or you know uh, met them somewhere and so on. 
Most elder abuse also happens within the four walls of the home. Enhanced risk factors may also include the inability of the elderly to 